another dollar to make your mama holla, baby. What's good? <laughs> it's Saturday Night Nerds. We got a brand new spinoff for you guys. And this is Jacob's Films Perspective. So everybody, yeah. I want you to meet Jacob Smith and Nick. Uh, let me make sure I don't butcher his last name. Oh, no. Look at you. Lukacic. Lukacic. Yes. I'm celebrating and I and I fucked up. Man, whatever. <laughs> I'll I'll bounce I'll bounce back from this. But uh yeah, tonight we're talking about Evil Dead Rise. So uh I, before before we get into all that, we'll play we'll play something nice for you guys real quick. was a spicy intro mm -hmm. that was pretty solid pretty yeah solid. that's like that's like one of our old theme songs the very first one actually the og snn uh theme song but yep uh without yeah. further ado jacob is is going to open up a can of mute movie review yeah and boy we'll start with some evil dead rise So, uh, what, what what did you think about the movie? Uh, but is it pretty much uh, what what was it actually like entertaining throughout, uh, from start to finish? Uh, I don't know about Nick's perspective. I feel like Nick's gonna have a totally hot take on this, but uh, I'll just go with mine first. Uh, I thought, and this is controversial to most people probably. I thought it's probably. It's right up there with part two is the best in the series, and that's just my that's just my that's just my perspective. I mean, the gore, great practical. They use actually use practical effects in twenty twenty three, which is always good. I'm tired of the CGI stuff. Uh, Absolutely. That was one of my problems with the remake. You know, I felt like they used too much CGI in the remake. If you've seen the twenty thirteen one. And yeah, that's man. that's a that's people love that one, but I do not care for that one. That's my least favorite. Yeah, I, I made it through that one. It, it 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 still had the same effect on on me as the other Evil Dead's. I was like, it was just as gross and uh, and ratchet. But uh, I would say the second Evil Dead is, is definitely up there, up there, like top top three, top three out of the whole franchise for me. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's number one for me easily, one of my favorite horror movies. But uh, Evil Dead Rise, it shocked me. It was really, really good. The practical effects was good. The actress that plays the mom, Alyssa yeah. Sutherland is her name. She uh, she did amazing. The practical effects work they did on her face was just really, really good. 
and uh they kind of do it a little darker because it's about a fa i mean it's about a family like I, part of my reviews i don't give away too much but all i'll say is it's about a family and apartment building basically so i feel like the stakes are higher because it's not just teenagers in a cabin anymore it's it's a mother and her kids so it's more yeah you know, it's more brutal more dark because it's little <laughs> kids that are getting you know infected with deadite stuff and you know you know in the yeah so that's like my quick thoughts real quick i want to see what nick thinks so so firstly yeah. my favorite evil dead movie has to be the 2013 remake For oh me, god the remake the original um and i would put the newer one evil dead rise number three evil dead rise was it was good it wasn't as good as the remake, in my opinion. I like the remake a lot. One thing I do like about the new Evil Dead Rise movie is how, as Jacob said, it it has a family in there. It reminds me of like Candyman and like the new Hellraiser movie, where they're adding more characters that are not just like dumb teenagers. Right. Another aspect I liked about it was how they unleash the Deadites by listening to a record instead of like finding the actual book. That's something I really enjoyed because. One aspect I really don't like about the franchise that much anymore is how they find the book, they read it, and then all this like scary stuff happens. But instead, they find these records, which gives us the Ash Williams cameo, which which I really liked. But yeah. I but I feel like the family and the records were probably two of the highlights of that movie because again, as Jacob said, the family brings a whole nother element to it. And I do feel like with the remake, there was that element already kind of like teased. Because the main character, she was a recovering heroin addict. So yeah. she wasn't just a dumb teenager. She was someone who was struggling with addiction. And whenever she got possessed by the Deadite, a lot of her friends were like, oh, she's just like having withdrawals and stuff like that. But yeah. I would put Evil Dead Rise in my top three. It's good, but it's not 2013 remake good. That 2013 remake is really tough to compete with. I gotta pick your brain on that, Nick. I gotta pick your brain. What so what what about that 2013 remake? Besides okay, the concept is great. I love the concept of like, you know, she's a heroin addict and they're taking her out to the cabin. So like when she's freaking out, you know, they don't know whether it's her withdrawing or it's actual real, you know, stuff. But other than that, I feel like the execution was poorly done besides a few cool kills. The because the blood the blood looks like brown in the whole movie. Like it looks more like chocolate than blood a lot of the time. And like the end the end is pretty cool when it rains blood, you know, but and spoiler alert, but you know what it's been ten years, so if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. But right. like, uh and I mean the chainsaw at the end and the blood rain is really cool. But other than that, I it's my least favorite. Like I like I take the original Evil Dead, which is not a great movie at all. It's just very. <laughs> I respect. I, I respect that movie more than I love it. It's what they what Sam Raimi did as a college student's crazy. With that yeah, movie. it really is. <laughs> but I think one thing I really like about the re like the 2013 remake is every dead movie, Evil Dead movie, feels like it's from that respective time period. The original feels like it's from the 70s and the 80s. The remake really feels like an early 2000s ten movie. And this one, 10 years from now, or even like 30 years from now, people will look at it and be like, yeah, this movie is a good representation of like the early 2020s, if you will. That's one reason why I like the 2013 remake movie a lot. Because during that time, there were just a ton of remakes coming out 
everywhere. Yeah. And I feel like this one, the 2013 remake, was really a cream of the crop because it had good gore, but the gore wasn't like in a soul type way. It was more in a like over the top, not torture porn like way. And I just feel like each Evil Dead movie represents the time period it came out in like a very good way. And I think that's one thing I really like about the 2013 remake. But also, yeah. I'm a big fan of the end scene with the chainsaw. Like that's that like that scene. It's so hard to top. It's mm -hmm. so hard to top. It's yeah. up there for sure. And uh, Sam Raimi, I, I I've always been a big Sam Raimi fan. Even he even when he does like reckless stuff as a director, uh, he, he he has like a long list of successful uh, shows and movies that he's a part of. And it's just like, how can you be mad at him? Uh, uh, he gave us Spartacus and, and a whole lot of other great content. So I think picking him for like Multiverse of Madness was like a that was a reckless choice, but it turned out well in my opinion. So he he made Multiverse of Madness basically a like a, a Scarlet Witch Evil Dead type of type of movie, and I I, I needed to see some crazy uh, stuff like that. So. And uh, oh, we got Bruce Campbell as well in 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 both movies. So the yeah, you got Bruce will, Campbell mm -hmm. in all of them. I will say, you know, like talking about Bruce Campbell in both movies, I feel like his cameo in in Evil Dead Rise was better than his cameo in the 2013 because the mm -hmm. 2013 one it just felt too tacky in some sense because it just ended on him saying "groovy" and it had like. That weird sound effect and like zoomed in on his face but yeah in, but with the new movie like the cameo actually felt like ash williams like the ad like the original ash williams for, from the first two movies yeah i agree with that it uh it incorporated it actually incorporated him into the story whereas like the 2013 remake it was just like a mcu in credit scene where it's like hey remember right. this guy <laughs> he's like by the way Hello, <laughs> everybody's reaction to him is the same. It's Bruce fucking Campbell. Yeah, I will say like one thing that really like kind of shocked me when the movie first came out is like on TikTok, on YouTube, on Twitter, and like on Facebook and other stuff like that. People were saying it was like the most disturbing movie that came out in years that this movie will shock mm -hmm. you and all that. And like, don't get me wrong, the movie had some pretty scary moments in it. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like it did live up to the, like that type of hype. Like, like I've seen worse movies than that, so I guess it did. Like some scenes didn't bother me that much, but I can see how, like in terms of, like recent horror movies that are more like slow burn, that the like that the level of violence in Evil Dead Rise could probably shock your casual moviegoer. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to get back into that because that was all 90s and 80s movies for me. So I got accustomed to it. But then when they stopped in like the 2000s and going forward, it's just like, man, I guess I got to get used to this less gore and less uh, like intense violence in, in horror movies anymore. So, Yeah, the tame PG-13 stuff started coming out and cgi violence and cgi blood it's just it's not the same it's not the same it's practical yeah 
like the most violence I would see like in that era would probably be from animated shows because it's like uh, you watch Happy Tree Friends or Rick mm. and Morty and just watch so much chaos and bloods and bones and organs come pull out. It's just yeah. like, man. Hey, Happy Tree Friends, if you watched that in middle school, you were the shit. Oh, man. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. This show was a mess, but I loved it. I remember my cousin showed me that, and I was like, what the hell was this? I was like 12 <laughs> years old, watching a raccoon get fucking gutted completely or whatever, and I'm just like, what is happening? Everything just starts off so nice and innocent, and then just something like the most horrible accident you can think of happens to one of those little cute creatures. So it's just like, yeah, like, I feel bad for him. <laughs> I mean, the first episode I saw of it was probably the like the most famous one, where like the one squirrel's like making lemonade, and the other squirrel's eyeball comes out, and the squirrel like cuts in, like starts making the lemonade. Like I actually remember, like you know, like. <laughs> Kind of like not freaking out, but kind of like cringing at that. Yeah. Just like that's so like nasty. If you really <laughs> sit and just think about like after the fact, I'm just like that. That's that's so nasty. It is top tier gross. <laughs> and I I think Evil Dead Rise would would definitely like lead the way for other horror movies to bring that type of gore back. Oh yes. And the guy that directed it. uh I don't want to butcher his name. I forgot his name exactly. I'd have to look it up. But he directed, he's an Irish. He's from Ireland. And uh, he directed a movie called uh, The Hole in the Ground that came out in 2019, 2020. And uh, it's on HBO Max right now. And it's, uh, I guess, because of the new movie came out. And it's, uh, oh, Lee Cronenberg. That's his name. Lee, is it Lee Cronenberg or something like that? And, uh, yeah. He's, he's, uh, He's he's a really he, he's a director to watch for sure because the hole in the ground I think was his first big feature, and that is a great like if you've seen Evil Dead Rise and you like that de- definitely go check out Hole in the Ground on HBO Max. I'll give him a shout out. That's his first yeah. movie. He his first big feature movie. Definitely go watch that on HBO Max right now. It's it's a great horror movie. It's one it's one of the better ones in the last few years, honestly. Besides Evil yeah. Dead Rise, but. I, now it's just Sam Raimi and uh, Bruce Campbell. I think they're just looking for young and hungry directors to take the Evil Dead franchise in a different direction. What Evil Dead Rise seemed to me, because even the cinematography, it's the best cinematography in the whole series. I don't think mm. you can deny that. Absolutely not. No, on, no it, is, it is. On the Evil Dead Rise, because there are some scenes where I was like, this actually looks like an actual real movie. Because, like, <laughs> you know, because like, I don't want to down the earlier Evil Dead movies, but man, the cinematography is not the show... Of, I mean, that's not the point of those movies anyway, but like it just added another layer to it when the cinematography is just so gorgeous. Like, I some there's some gorgeous shots in Evil Dead Rise that I was just like, they're actually trying really hard in this movie. Like, I, I, I respect it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because I got to get my eyes adjusted for real because most movies I, I'm so used to like basic level cinematography or cinematography, excuse me. And, um, I think like the most recent movies that I fell in love with, like the Batman, um, I thought Matt Reeves captured the the, the whole background. Uh, actually, the one scene in particular where uh, Bruce Wayne is coming to talk to uh, Carmine, like that whole scene of him coming off the elevator and he's just like, I'm, I'm just cool as hell and I'm just mad. I just got some bad news, but 
I'm I'm willing to risk it all. Like that whole scene that he captured, the cinematography was great. And then another good movie, of course, Evil Dead Rise. And I was I would say Midsummer had really good cinematography as well. It did. It did. Yeah. I think one thing about Evil Dead Rise is I feel like people forget that in terms of horror franchises, Evil Dead is pretty mainstream at this point. It's not like a small like cult thing anymore. And I think, you know, that I think the quality of Evil Dead Rise shows that, you know, it's gained this bigger audience. And when you get this bigger audience, people are going to want to see better quality, not just in story, but like in other stuff like acting, cinematography and all that. And I personally feel like the next Evil Dead movie that comes out in like three, four five years, it's going to even top Evil Dead Rise in terms of all that stuff. Absolutely. Because look at Sam Raimi's running the executive producer seat. I think we're in good hands because he knows young directors, obviously. I mean, he knows what he's looking for. And uh, Evil Dead Rise shows that. And, I mean, gosh, there's there's even, like, references to other horror movies in Evil Dead Rise that I won't spoil. But there's some – you can tell that the guy that directed it is uh, really a big horror fan. That he loves horror and he wants to make actual good horror. Mm. Like, I would say Evil Dead Rise – and this is, this is, some people might not agree with this, but I, I'd probably say it's probably top 10 best horror films of the last five years. When yeah, it no, comes to five. like just, oh yeah, just when yeah. it comes to overall, just everything, I just feel like horror is making a comeback and Evil Dead Rise is a part of that. Definitely, I think. I agree. Well, like, so like, I guess one thing about the comeback is, and is looking at some of the past horror movies. A24 has made some really good horror movies, but at the same time, they also really kickstart the whole slow burn type of horror movies. The slow burn, more, you know, like slow pace style, like, and, you know, those type of movies are good, but I feel like audiences are wanting, to, are wanting more gore. Because last year when Terrifier 2 came out, that movie just went like off the charts. And like, mm -hmm. I saw that movie and like, the bedroom scene, that was probably the most graphic pre-Evil Dead Rise scene in a horror movie for the last five years, in my opinion. Because the market for horror for the past five, maybe even ten years, really, has been dom dominated by slow burn A24-style horror movies. And like Jordan Peele, The Lighthouse, and stuff like that. And those mm -hmm. movies are all classics. Don't get me wrong. I love them. But the mainstream horror audience, I believe they're wanting to see more gore and a better quality of it that's not just like something you no know, schlocky they want to see better quality in everything but they want to see a better quality in the gore yeah honestly when when i think about that the first thing that comes to my mind is like maybe like a reboot of final destination but with more creative deaths uh for like the victims like if they if they could reboot final destination and start the series over same story like guys cheated death and now they're uh every every person that was like on the plane or whatever that that cheated they they go out in like this crazy alternative way and it is opportunity to get more gore in and uh actually you could you could really have a lot of fun with that it's a really open-ended concept and uh, if I was directing uh, Final Destination, uh, I would probably follow in a lot of horror directors' footsteps 
especially like the the OG director for Final Destination. Uh, like, I think one of the most classic scenes. It wasn't really gory, but the the chick that was in a tanning bed. Oh yeah, they got cooked to death. Oh, yeah. Like, like dude, that that was peak horror for me. Like, I I was like, I'm never getting in a tanning bed. I don't oh, need to tell oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I actually, yeah. When I was a little kid, my uh, my dad was watching that on the TV, and I, and I walked in the room, and I happened to walk in right on the tanning bed death scene. And ever since then, I've never st- – I will – I that movie, every time I see a tanning bed, that's all I think about is Final Destination. And my, fr- my best friend at the time, his mom had a tanning bed in her room. Oh, and his and she had the computer. She had a, uh, the computer in her room, so we'd go up there to play computer games. And I would just be like, "That thing's freaking me out, man!" Like the tanning bed right there, because <laughs> I could just the Final Destination just that stuck in my mind completely. Forever. Even more than the uh, everybody talks about the wood coming off the truck. Yeah, the, the tanning bed is st- stuck in my mind more, honestly. Dude, man, I, like the. There, there was like wood and like some kind of sharp thing that came through and hit somebody through their windshield, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was, it was like, in the dude, second one. That that was the, that was that was a ridiculous scene too. The, the fact that they avoided that and then their alternative deaths end up being worse anyway. So it's mm-hmm. just like, God, it's, it's, if if you see the future and you know everybody's about to get murdered, just let it happen. <laughs> yeah, like, like and to that point, I mean. I agree. I didn't think about that before, but I agree yeah. with you. I think Final Destination could really benefit from like a, a like a, a today upgrade. Like if they did what they did with Evil Dead Rise with Final Destination and just did because imagine like Final Destination but with great cinematography. I mean that oh. would be that would be terrifying. It'd make it even more realistic. I mean, I, I that's actually a great idea. I think they should do that. Honestly, yeah. Cause he, he got the opportunity for gore right there, and then you can try like different techniques of killing people that weren't used in the other movies, and that shouldn't be too hard. It's just like, oh, he he went to a bathroom and took a shit, and the toilet sucked him. In. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can get you can go crazy with those concepts of people who cheated death, and then death just cut, finds another way to get them. Yeah, you really can. I think one thing they should bring back for like a Final Destination remake is Tony Todd's character. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because I'm pretty sure he was only in the first two. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But I think he was only in the first two for like a minute. And I really feel like if they made a remake, his character should play a bigger role, but it should still be cryptic. You know, he, should, like, he should be on screen more, but he should still be like the same cryptic type of type of character he was. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, because if you like I remember the credits for one of those movies and uh Tony Todd was casted as the voice of the devil. I think that was the first final destination. And uh the fi- the first final destination was uh when his voice appeared over on the subway and like people heard the voice but didn't pay it any mind. Like that scene gave me chills. I, mm-hmm. I I didn't even know that was the devil until the credits said so. And Tony Todd played that. So I assume like seeing him in future installments, I, he would continue being the devil for the series. Uh, he was a, he was in the morgue and like yes. the second one. Yeah. Yes. And 
don't know. I feel like Tony Todd because, like, you know, like, because his whole his former big role was Candyman. Yeah. And people will always remember him as Candyman. But I feel like today, in, in today's horror world, he needs to find another role that can, like, settle in with, like, younger audiences. Because they remade Candyman a couple of years ago, which I saw and I loved. But I feel like now Tony Todd needs to find another character that can be this generation's Candyman to some extent. Absolutely. Okay, so wait. You, you like, you, you love the new Candyman? Yeah, I, I did. I um, I did not care for that one. I did not. Man, you're a hater. You're all <laughs> hater. I'm. I guess I am a hater because I was just like, because it's so beating you over the head with this politics and stuff and the social commentary. It's it's did too. Much. It was too much. Like, did you not watch the original one at all? Yeah, the but the original one is so subtle. Like, it's just her investigating, but like the social commentary is there, but it's not like. A kindergarten teacher like holding your hand through it, like you you pick it up just by watching what? the movie, and I, I like it like that. Subtle, not so, like the end scene in that movie in the remake with like yeah, the yeah. W- in the cop car with the whole cop situation. I was like, okay, now you're now you're going too far <laughs> with the social comedy. Like we know exactly what you're trying to say now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Well, one perspective I read about the new Candyman is the original Candyman movie is told from a white journalist who walks into this community. The remake is told from that community's perspective. It's showing how that community deals with the legend of the Candyman and the trauma that came from it. Because in in the remake, uh, Helen, the girl from the original movie, she's shown as like a villain type character. And, and 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 the perspective also said like in the original, Candyman, she was just walking in, trying to get information and trying to leave, while this community would still have to live with the Candyman and the trauma that came from it. So I, I see that as like a defining difference in the terms of like the social commentary, because the director for the remake was an African-American, but the director for the original one was a British guy. Yeah, Clyde so, Barker. Wasn't it? Yeah. Well, Clyde Barker, he was like a producer on there. But the actual director was, I, I, I'm trying to remember his name, but he was a British guy. But but like having a British director, an African-American director, you know, I feel like that also brings a different level of perspective on the social commentary. I have a yeah. counterpoint to that, though. I have a counterpoint to that. Ooh. Why? Okay, but the main character we follow is not in the community when we meet him. Like he's he's from there as a kid, but now he's like he's like high society now. So he's still coming from a higher place to the lower place, just like Helen did. I feel like if they wanted to do that, they should have went full out and had somebody that actually lived in that community to do it, and not have the guy that lived there as a kid that came back that didn't, you know. I feel like anyway. <laughs> There was some scenes in that movie that were kind of hard to get through because the whole concept of him like painting his victims or something like that, and it's just mm-hmm. like, I, I get that they want to like get like, how do I say to stay relevant with the younger audience, but I honestly would love some good old fashioned revenge or something petty, but but at the same time, it's so it's so subtle that uh, you you don't really realize. Uh, it's anything bigger than what you see. So it's like the whole scene with the cops and then the new guy taking the mantle of Candyman. The one thing I do love about that is it shows like it's been more than one of them. 
So now there's a whole history of Candyman. I never read the books. I think Clive Barker wrote the books. Yeah, he did. did. And the book is actually very interesting because in the book, Candyman is white. And the book deals with class issues like poverty and like upper class instead of a race issue. Because whenever they made the movie, I'm trying to remember how like that transition happened. But But the director decided to make it, to take it from like England to Chicago and he added the the race elements in there because the original was about like class and all that. And I feel like if people watch either Candyman movie and then read the book afterwards, they're going to have different views on the whole story and concept overall. Yeah, that that backstory for the OG, like like not the the book version, but the OG live action of Candyman, like. The fact that he was a slave and uh, he had an affair with the master's wife. And then so they neutered him, messed him up, covered his bodies with honey and let bees eat him alive while they hung him or something like that. And then he's just been on a rampage killing people that's been in that bloodline of the family, I think, if if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'm trying to remember because I feel like the bloodline element was added in the sequel. Because in the, in the first one, I think it was just like Helen came across uh, the Candyman urban legend. It was kind of like, you know, like a Bloody Mary type thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And she looked like uh, the girl that he was in love with. Mm. That's why he was after her. In the yeah. yeah. And, and they actually added the whole like Helen Bloodline thing, you know, like, because I think in the sequel, he was like after Helen's daughter. And I think in the third movie, he was after Helen's granddaughter. I might be wrong about like that, you know, like that lineup, but I I, I think you, you're you're correct. I think maybe the movies might have moved around a little bit because at one point in time he did fall in love with like a a black female lead, but he did he did go after Helen's. Actually, you know what? Helen had like a not like a descendant, but somebody that was like mixed or something like that, like granddaughter, niece, whatever. And I think. Uh, Candyman was after her for a little bit. I never watched the sequels. I stood, I, I stayed away from them because usually horror sequels are a hard thing to, hard thing to do. Usually, I mean, I stay, I stayed away from those. I just, I've just seen the original and the remake. And yeah, I just the remake. I could, when it comes to like taking older franchises and bringing them to life, I feel like the Candyman remake was one of the weakest. Weak sauce, I thought. Weak sauce, that's what I thought. Like, because like they're just banging you over the head with social. It felt like social commentary of the movie, and I was like, we've seen this so much over the past decade, and I mean, it's great. I love social commentary or whatever, but it, commentary, I can't talk. But I want like subtlety. I want like a story to be the story to be put first, and then you can have that social commentary in there without the banging you over the head. Just the the end scene is where they yeah. just. The end scene, they just take a hammer and just smack you in the skull a thousand times. I swear that end scene just really just soured me on the whole movie. I was like, are you, I was like, because I, I, I called it immediately 10 minutes before it happened. I was like, I know what's going to happen here. And then it just, it let me down and let me down. I did not, no, Candyman remake. Mm-hmm. See, and, oh no, go ahead. Oh yeah. And, and that, that guy that played the, the replacement, he's one of my favorite actors. So the, to see him go from like top tier performances to that was just like, ah, uh, 
I'll give it credit for what it's worth, but honestly, I I would have appreciated a lot more story about him and then the mm-hmm. supporting characters around him. Yeah, before Nick says something, I'll agree with you on that. I uh, I really, I I like him a lot. I mean, even as Black Manta, he was great as Black Manta, and yeah. I was like, I was excited when I saw he was going to be in the Candyman because like because people were kind of doubting him a little bit. I was like, he's a really good actor. I was like, he'll carry this, and then they didn't really give him much. They didn't really. They really didn't. I blame the writers for that 100%. He was a great Dr. Manhattan, too. And that HBO Max series where that that was a, a story before social commentary. So it's basically I don't know what I can't remember the character's name, but he there's a scene in one of the episodes where he's fighting the Ku Klux Klan. And it's and it's just like I, I, I was like, yo, this is kind of cool. <laughs> well, you know, I think one thing you know about Candyman and Clive Barker overall is he's more of a transgressive horror author who focuses mainly on social issues. I, I would not say Clive Barker and like Candyman and Hellraiser and a lot of his other works are really your normal like Halloween, Friday the 13th type of movies. Yeah. But I feel like the issue that comes out of that is to get adapted by directors and for audiences who are more familiar with Halloween and Friday the 13th, and they want to see that type of movie. Because I remember when I saw Candyman, the remake in theaters, there were a lot of people around me who who, who were just like making faces at it. They were mumbling about it and stuff like that. And, and, and one thing I will say, I do agree the ending it does get a bit preachy. But the one th- counterpoint I have to that is in real life, since this movie is like talking about real life things, there is no subtle like there is no subtlety in the real life like actions that have inspired this movie, you know. And I and I feel like in terms of remakes, I like Candyman, but I will probably put it in the mid, in the mid section of like all the more recent horror movie remakes. But in terms of like Clyde Barker movies, it's definitely in the top three for me. Oh, top three. Top three, yes. Have you seen Nightbreed? I have, yes, I have. And Night my, Nightbreed is my favorite Clive Barker. My favorite Clive Barker has to be the OG Hellraiser. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. Right, ooh, that's right there with it. Because right. the dialogue's so good, all the scenes are really good. And it's it's one of those things where like I, I've seen some of the Hellraiser sequels and I'll, they get goofy pretty fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> they do. Even the fast. second one, the second one is way out there. The second one, the problem with the second one is by the time it came out, Pinhead was very popular. So people mm. wanted to see more Pinhead and Clive Barker was like, no, I don't want that. He's supposed to be like a Dracula type character and the yeah. studios shocker, shocker. They're like, well, screw you. He's going to be like the Mickey Mouse of this franchise. Yeah, and, and, they, <laughs> and they go to that. Other, they they go to the hell dimension. Most of that movie, and it just looks so bad. And they're like running through the hallways, and the hallways are changing with the <laughs> with the and the, the they have the mute little girl that doesn't speak. And I'm just like, what is go? I was like, this is such a drop from the first Hellraiser. I was like, this is sad. This is an acid trip. Yeah, it I, it I, felt trippy. It was a trippy. The second one is a trippy sequel. Mm-hmm. I feel like the whole like asylum setting could have could could have been like done properly, but I feel like the movie was rushed, considering the popularity of the first one. I do like the mute girl element. I feel like it was done wrong, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because I was reading about Hellraiser two, 
is the like the wicked stepwife character, stepmom character. Yeah. Clive Parker wanted her to be the main villain of the of, of the entire series, not Pinhead. He said if there was like another sequel, he wanted the focus on her and not Pinhead, which I found very interesting because after watching the first one and the second one, I personally still like Pinhead the best out of those two characters. Yeah, I, I love the Cenobites in general and the fact that they kept expanding on them and trying to give us a little bit more background on them. But uh, like Nick said, uh, my favorite aspect of it is when Clive or whoever is directing decides to focus more on the human villains than, than the Cenobites. And it's the reboot, for example, that came out like last year, uh, the, the, the bad guy was the guy who owned the uh, Pandora's box. And he's just been manipulating people to play it for him uh, all throughout the movie. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so it was more like trying to stop him versus trying to stop the new pinhead. And, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, now that we're on, like, we're talking about reboots and remakes and all that. I feel like the, Hell, the Hellraiser reboot for Hulu was actually really well done. I oh, no, it was. It was. And I thought it was one of the better ones recently, I think. Yeah, that was like one of my top films the last year. I liked it, but I would personally put it like below the Candyman remake. Mm. Personally, there are elements of the new Hellraiser remake that I really like. I like that they changed the gender of Pinhead. I really do like that because that's very Clive Barker. That's something he would do. And I remember she's a great a actress of, too. Oh, she was. Like I remember a lot of people got upset about that, but I'm right. like. Clive Barker has always done stuff like that. He's not like your, like your normal, like straightforward horror author. He twists around with stuff, you know. He's a weirdo. He is. Yeah. That, that's one element I liked about it. But Pinhead was a, a woman in the book, so it's and most exactly. people don't know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like it makes me really excited to see if hopefully 10 years down the road we get like this Clive Barker Avenger style movie with like all of his creatures, like <laughs> fighting against each other because ever since Candyman came out, people have been wanting to really see like a pinhead versus Candyman movie. Oh. And I think there were actual talks about that back in the nineties or the early two thousands. There were actual talks about that. But I think we got enough with Freddy versus Jason, didn't we? I mean Yeah, I am not gonna lie, guys. I'm not gonna lie. Freddy versus Jason is trash. I'm sorry. I have to say it. I have to say, like, I watched it when I was 13. I loved it, but I was 13. I'm 22 now. That movie sucks. I, I was here for all the ratchet shit. That's what I was. That's what I was here for. It's, yeah, I, 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 it's not a great movie at all. I agree, but it's it, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. It mm -hmm. Like, I think my favorite scenes are the ones where whenever someone gets hit, they just fly. They just fly across the screen for like <laughs> no reason. Because oh, there's yeah. like there's one scene where. Jason and Freddy, like something explodes by them. They and they do like a Looney Tunes, like fly across the screen. I'm like, really? Like, really? Like they're just they're flying like Superman right now. But you got the you got the oxygen tank scene where Jason's like knock or uh, Freddy's Freddy's yeah. cutting the oxygen and Jason yeah. he gets hit with a tank and he's like flying. <laughs> I think the worst part about that movie was that was the writers tried to say that Jason's weakness was water. Even though in all the previous Friday the 13th movies, he's shown in water. Like, he's shown, like, you know, standing in water, like, swimming in water or whatever. 
And I remember watching it. I'm like, that's such a stupid like idea. Like Freddy's makes sense, but like really, like the whole water versus fire thing, like that's yeah. the best thing I can do. I, I, I don't have no I don't have no justification for that whatsoever. It's actually, what, oh no, go ahead. You you go ahead. Well, it's actually one fun fact about that movie is Pinhead was supposed to be it was supposed to be in it because one one of the original drafts were they were going to end up in hell and Pinhead was like going to greet them or something. Then that would have opened up for like a Pinhead versus Jason versus Freddy movie. But I think the studio that owned Pinhead said there's no way in hell we're doing that. It is too ratchet. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, fact, right? they set it up like, I think that was like, and I think it's Jason Goes to Hell. They set it up in like 11 years in advance when Freddy, you see Freddy, I think it's, it's, it's Freddy's glove that comes down over Jason's yes. mask. Yes. And, and, then, and, then they, and then you had to wait 11 years and then you get that. Like, imagine being a kid and like being somebody who was born like in the 70s, 80s. And you, you're a kid in the theater, and you're watching Jason Goes to Hell, and you see Freddy's glove at the end, come get Jason Bassett. You're so excited. You're like, oh, I can't wait. And then it's 11 years you have to wait for the movie, and what you get is Freddy versus Jason. Like The movie is very much a 2000s movie. Mm-hmm. Like, watching it, it just feels super dated in terms of, like, aesthetic and dialogue and even the characters. Cause like, oh, it, the main girl is horrible. Oh, no, she, yeah. was, she was. And, like... I feel like that movie was trying to break the mold that Scream set up. But mm. at the same time, I feel like it was too much of a, to an extent, a Scream ripoff in some sense. Like, I'm yeah. not saying it was super meta, but after watching Scream and after watching Freddy versus Jason, there are some similarities in it, in my opinion. Yeah, I honestly think, like, Freddy knowing, like, martial arts out of nowhere, that, that was... <laughs> Like the fact to see him put hands on Jason like that, it was just like I don't know whose idea this was, but I guess I'll I'll get to the end of the movie off of this. And <laughs> well, well, one one fact about that I read is the director, I, I, the, the director of Freddy versus Jason, he originally did like kung fu movies, I believe. So he was trying to like mix that influence in there, but at the yeah, same time, it's like you know we never saw that in the original movies. So like it's, it's like if Michael Myers started like break dancing all of a sudden in a movie. Yeah, you can't do that. He was twerking. Yeah, because uh, the guy that directed that actually directed uh, Bride of Chucky as well. The same director as Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky. That's a good movie, right there. Yeah, that is I, a good yeah, movie. That is a good one. I, I agree with that. That's a good movie. See, I, you know what? See, the Chucky is god awful. It is terrible. <laughs> I love See to Chucky. It is the most hilarious movie. As a kid, I could not get through it. I could, as a kid, I could not get through it. But I, I, I enjoyed it the one time that I saw it. Uh, from little, start little British, the little British, and he doesn't know. You know, you know. Nowadays, it, I mean, it's it's kind of taboo nowadays because of the whole how they did that with the with their kid or whatever. How, but like, it was just. I, I watched it for the first time. I think two years ago, and I was like laughing my ass off the whole time i was like what is this like <laughs> he's like peeing his pants and i'm just like what what is this movie like what is scene of chucky but it, it was so hilarious i loved it at the same and they even do like shining references in there yeah like, like scene of chucky is 
one of the worst horror films probably, but it is one of the, so entertaining. It is so entertaining. So good. See, yeah. I like to see. And like one thing I like about Chucky is like the new TV show. Cause I feel like that show balances out the, like the seriousness of the first few movies and the comedy that came in with bride and seed, because I feel like as a concept, Chucky is a killer doll. And with that, you like, you know, like that's funny to a certain extent. That's funny. But at the same time, it should be like a full moon movie, like Demonic Toys, where it's obviously just a clear joke. And I feel like the TV show, especially with the first season, does a very excellent job in, ba in balancing serious moments and the funny moments. Yeah. And Chucky getting creative on how he kills people. Exactly. That kind of that was kind of fresh, a fresh take on on him for me. And I, I enjoyed that. Uh I, I got tired real quick of him chasing people around and like hiding underneath furniture with a knife all the time. But uh, even in the first movie, like he took the voodoo doll of one of his friends and like played with it and broke mm -hmm. different limbs on it. And I, I was like, yo, this is a cool, this is a cool version of Chucky that I could get used to. And uh, I, I would, I, did they keep that going in, in the TV show? They, or? they did. So like, the whole voodoo element, Don Massini, the, the creator of Chucky, he was yeah. not a fan of, but he realized that it was something he should keep, but not really like super expand on in the next movies. So the voodoo element, it's still there to an extent, but it's one of those things where like, it's never explored past a certain point because they have that whole like amulet, like the something of Dimbala. That's like in the sequels and all that. And and they had the retcon, some yeah. stuff. And I feel like the voodoo element is a good element, but they should have expanded on it in the sequel instead of like trying to like erase it at first and then retconning a bunch of stuff. Right. Because it's yeah. just like uh, the most iconic thing I remember about Chucky is the fact that he's trying to body jump with, with mm -hmm. the kids. Yeah. So it's quite hide the soul. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, I I stopped after Cedar Chucky. I stopped. I didn't watch the uh, Cult or uh, Curse. I didn't watch those two, and I haven't seen the TV series either. Yeah, I haven't seen the reboot with like Aub Aubrey Plaza. Yet. I watched that one in theaters. I and watched it. Yeah. I forgot about it instantly. I'm gonna be honest, it's, it's not good. Like I feel like if <laughs> I feel like if you know that character, like the Chucky character in the remake, was an original character. It would have been a great movie, but I feel like trying to make Chucky this weird AI type robot doll. I'm just like, I can't get behind this. It was creative. Yeah. I'll give them that. The kills were good. And and one thing I liked about was the whole like weird Jack Black janitor guy. But <laughs> outside of that, like Jacob said, like the like the week after I saw it, I I, I was like that movie. I you know I was trying to remember it because. There were only like a few things that stuck out, but the concept, it was a good concept, but it wasn't good for a Chucky movie. Mm -mm. Well, I mean, they did the concept better just this year with Megan, if you've seen Megan. Yeah. Oh, Megan was not a good movie. It's it's not it's not great. It's not a great movie. I agree with that. It's not I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie though. I thought but it was I entertaining. I felt like they did better than what the Child's Play remake did with that I concept. Would say, like I would say Megan is a bad movie. And oh. personally, and personally, I'm not a fan 
of like the whole killer robo dolls yeah. subgenre. I like my killer doll movies to be like a ventriloquist dummy or like a toy or something like that. And like something supernatural or yeah, magical. Supernatural, yeah. not like a robot or whatever. Have right. you seen Dead Silence? I'm guessing then. I have, yes, I have. What do you think about that? Look creepiest movie. <laughs> creepy ass movie. Like and like I remember watching the trailers on TV for it mm. and almost pissing myself every time. Dude, me and you have the same experience then because I was I think I was seven when that movie came out, maybe eight, nine, and uh I was this is back when I watched wrestling, WWE, and they used to show the trailer for while like during commercial breaks. Yes, and, I remember that. And that trailer scared me so much because it's a it's a it's a little kid and he's like getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something, and it's and then it's like the old lady and then you see all the dolls and it's like, I can vaguely I just remember having nightmares just from the commercial. So I didn't watch that movie until, I think three years ago was the first time I put it on and then I was like, you know the commercial was scarier than the movie. I you mean, know it's, it is. yeah, it's, it is. The movie's a little creepy, but like the. The commercial had way more of an effect on me than the whole movie did. I mean, I guess I watched it when I was older as well, too. That probably helped. But, like, I they they just they wasted potential with that one. They really did. And, like, the one scary part about the trailer that really stood out to me was whenever the guy goes to the graveyard to bury the dummy, and he's, like, sitting in his car, and the dummy pops up right there. It's and, like, that movie, that movie was so scary to me because I was also getting, like, into Goosebumps around the same time. So I was reading like Night of the Living Dummy and all that. And like oh. Jake, and I watched this movie, the movie when I was probably like 13. So I, I thought it was like a good movie, but I rewatched it a couple years ago. And like Jacob said, they wasted it. Honestly, they wasted the concept It had so much potential. And I think they were just trying to like, like just like build up the hype for it. But I, but the thing is, like, there were some good scenes and a good background, but halfway through, it kind of just like went down, really. Yeah, that, that's one of the greatest trailers, I, I, arguably, for a horror movie that I've oh, seen. Yeah. At, at least top five trailers, uh, just a trailer alone. Oh yeah, um, I mean that trailer came out like 2006, 2007, and I still I still have seen from the trailer in my head. Like I can still picture the trailer. Yeah, and the concept they could they could have really had a ball with that. Like the fact that if you made noise, you would probably get smoked. Uh, it's just like you could do so much with that, and they, and they did actually. Uh, what is the name of that movie with John Krasinski? Uh, Quiet Place. Quiet Place, like yeah. that. That was a really good expansion on like if you make a noise, you're gonna get smoked. Uh, type of movie. I I, I love stuff like that. I I agree with that. I, I like uh, I'm not as big on quiet place as everybody else. So I don't, I they're kind of forg forgettable for me, both of them. I just they don't really hit home for me because the first one, John Krasinski is so stupid in that first one. <laughs> like the 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 way that that the way the movie. I'm not gonna spoil anything because it is still. I mean, it was 2019, what 2017, 2018, whenever when it whenever it came out. It came out one of those years. It hasn't been too long, so I won't spoil anything. But the way John Krasinski's character is handled in that first one, I was like, "This is this is just emotional manipulation you're trying to do now." Because this is not why would he do that? That doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, 
I, I, it got me like the first scene of the movie, the fact that they made noise and he, he lost what his kids. Oh uh, yeah. That, of, that mm. that's a great opening. I will say that it, yeah. it ha- both of them have great openings. Oh yes. I feel like a quiet place could have like would have done better in my opinion, as a short film compared to a feature film. Yeah. I feel like that too. I feel like the material was not there for a full feature length. Was it quiet place based off a book? I think it was an original idea written by John Krasinski. I'm pretty sure he wrote it. I think he wrote it. Oh, yeah. No, Bird Box. Bird, Bird Box was the book. Bird Box was the book. Yeah. Those two movies came out like around the same time. And I remember one of them was based off a book. But I was trying to remember which one. Yeah, I, have, I this is my first time hearing about the book. I'm, I'm going to have to check this out. Um, Bird Box. Wasn't the, the, the other half of the cast like em, Emily Blunt or something like that? Yeah, yeah, and I had a. Uh, I think it had one of the. That's, I think that was the only notable people. Yeah, the second one has a few more name like familiar faces you know, but like, yeah, the first one on its own really just Jim from the office and Emily Blunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like you making noise, you die in this movie. It's just like okay, uh, uh, challenge accepted. I, and that I don't scene, know how we, what scene. Uh, the scene where like there was a flood in like the house or the basement oh, or something like that. The baby in the carriage, and she's doing like everything she can to like keep the baby hidden and quiet. And I'm just like, okay, that that was written very well, but everything yeah. else, I could have done without. And when she's having the when the whole uh, pregnancy, when she's having the burst, the whole burst scene is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's unrealistic. Kind of, yeah. it kind of stretches your credibility a little bit with that hoe when she's in the bathtub having the baby or whatever. Like, yeah, I feel like I don't think that's how that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, yeah. but like the tension that was there, it was really good. I will say it did create a good tension scene when she's trying to have the baby and the monsters coming up the stairs and yeah, just waiting, like make a noise and he's gonna get something to eat. He's <laughs> gonna get yeah. a baby and a full person. <laughs> It's like God, that movie didn't spare any lives either. So I, I, I respect that aspect of it too. Like, uh, an old lady could get it, kids could get it. Uh, yeah, I respect that, 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 that. Yeah, you know that. You know, I like movies that take risks like that. Like a lot of right. people, they're. I, I don't know if I want to say this. On, I'll say it. I don't care. I like when movies kill kids. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> like I like when they take the risk and they like. Because, like, a lot of people are very, once you kill a kid in a movie, they're out. Like, they will ch- completely check out. And I get that if you're a pa- I'm not a parent, so I can't, I can't say, maybe if I'm a parent, I'll think differently. But, well, like. I'm Sarah Jacob, so. Oh, you are, Nick? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, where's your kid? I've never met him. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, when they, when they kill the kid in a movie, I'm like, okay, so now you kind of know that anything can happen if they, because it, that's like. That's like the one sin you don't break in a movie is like killing the kid. Yeah, I mean, you can kill the dog all you want. I'd rather see a kid get killed than that dog or a cat in a movie. I'm sorry. When they kill the dog or the cat, it, it gets, I don't like that. I don't like that. Right. It shows you like nobody has plot armor in this movie. You mess up, yeah. you're gone. Right. Yeah. I, like when I, I take like, out the kid, I'm like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like one one bridge that makes that makes the movie like a normal horror movie to like a disturbing horror movie is if the dog or the kid dies 
and they and like a more gruesome way over comical you know like usually when the dog dies or when the kid dies or when the cat dies it's usually played for laughs to a certain right. extent and it's done off screen but if they do it on screen especially especially if if it's a kid i believe that makes it a more disturbing movie than something that tries to like separate itself from a movie that's seen by like your casual moviegoer yeah and and it is a perfect example of that because you, you have to watch the kids get eaten and it, it, it's insane uh it, in some scenes he doesn't even just flat out kill them he toys with them a little bit like the he was chasing like the chubby kid and uh he was in some kind of locker room where the shower was at and he made blood come out of the ground and it was it was just like dude he is toying he is toying with him and when actually in the, the original version uh with Tim Curry as Pennywise, uh that's that that exact scene was even worse. So it was I, I really enjoyed that because nobody had plot armor. Mm -hmm. That's something I'll say about the it remakes. I'll take the miniseries all day over the new ones. That is a hot take. Everybody I know will ro roast me about that, but I will take Tim Curry's Pennywise and that miniseries over Bill Skarsgård and the new It movies any day. I, I would, too. I'm I think it's creepy. It. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, guys. I have to say it. I have to say it. The miniseries is decent. I feel like one reason why the miniseries and a lot of other older horror movies are are like you know held in higher esteem compared to remakes and reboots and all that is for mainly nostalgic purposes. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of the original horror movies, the quality isn't there when it comes to some remakes. I personally feel like the it. I feel like the first it remake movie, Chapter One, was better than the miniseries. The second one, on the other hand, if I had to rake them, it would be Chapter One, the miniseries, and Chapter Two. I feel like with Chapter Two, they were stretching too much. They were trying to add too much information. And also at the same time, both of them really weren't a true, like, you know, Stephen King like adaptation because of the one chapter, the one scene we all know about. But mm -hmm. I just feel like the mini the miniseries is decent. But I feel like a lot of people only like it for nostalgic reasons. Here's my argument against that, though. There is no the, argument. Yes, here's a, here's an argument, Nick. The miniseries has always been hated on. If you look back on it, it's always been trash. Like everybody's always like, "Oh, that miniseries is too long. It's trash." Like all you hear about is Tim Curry's Pennywise. And when the new ones came out, like the, when the first one came out, they dogged the miniseries. They're like, "Oh, this is so much better than the miniseries," and like, "This is so great." And like, and then the sec, even when Chapter Two came out, they were talking about the miniseries, and they're just like they rank it above the miniseries. Like, it's so great. It's so awesome. And I'm just like, have you seen the miniseries? Cause like, I just rewatched the miniseries a year and a half ago. I, I was, I introduced somebody to it because she, uh, she had never seen it. And uh, she was like, this is better than the new ones. And I was like, yeah, it is. Ain't it? I was like, it, I, Tim, I feel like Tim Curry has the screen presence and the strength that he just, he just carries that whole miniseries. And the kids section is done way better. The kids yeah. section it has more of a stand by me feel, and the way they do the kids and the miniseries, because since it's not cut out, and I mean it is cut into two parts, but like because you know it's a two night thing, but like the way it's put together, since it's like a full movie, 
the way they like introduce them as adults and then it shows up they get something happens to them they get scared and they have a flashback and then it goes shows them as a kid i feel like that was a way more creative way of telling the story than doing it just by the book where they're kids in the first movie adults in the second i felt like yeah like i see i i think one problem that plagued both the miniseries and the movies is the book itself is like a thousand pages and there and especially towards the end it gets kind of wacky with like the whole turtle thing and again there was that one scene with the girl and like all the boys that what that was like pretty like controversial because mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure stephen king was on like coke when he wrote it <laughs> but, yeah, well, yeah there's but, a famous quote stephen king said that he wrote it on in cocaine and uh, <laughs> I, he i thought he's i think he said cocaine and uh miller light i think is what, it, <laughs> what the phrase was or something and, and like, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. The miniseries has some really good moments. One moment from the miniseries I think is better than any scene in the remakes is when Pennywise is in the shower, kind of like like mocking that one kid. I feel mm. like that was a really good scene. It was horrible, man. It, it oh, was, it yeah. Was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Every time I took a shower, I imagined Pennywise coming through my drain, like opening the drain wide open, even though that, that can't happen. But just the way I just always imagined that. He ruined that for me, man. Screw him. <laughs> one thing I will say about the remake, one negative thing. I feel like the only reason why the remake was made to a certain extent or why it became super popular was because of Stranger Things. That's fact. I, I feel like Stranger Things kicked off like a five-year time frame where you had movies featuring young teens in a supernatural setting and it would usually have an actor associated with Stranger Things mm-hmm. because I know the girl in the It remake, she was in a Netflix show about a girl in Pennsylvania who had like superpowers or something like that. And yeah. it, I'm pretty sure it came out like a year after the first It remake. And again, I love I love the remake. I love the remake. But at the same time, 10 years from now, if I had to rewatch it or show it to a friend, I would tell them this is a very Stranger Things inspired movie. And that's the one thing I don't like about it. I really wish that they would have waited until Stranger Things had died out. So it could have more of a Stephen King it style instead of a Stranger Things Duffer Brothers style, you know? That's one negative thing I will say about the remake. Because they, I mean, they even have one of the main kids, Finn Wolfhard, in it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I guess one counterpoint to that is he wasn't the main, main character, which I do like. I do like that he wasn't the main, main character. But then again, let's be honest. The only reason why he was even in that role in the first place was because of Stranger Things. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. and just the whole kid dynamic was so Stranger Things. It was. And that's. That's why I prefer the miniseries is because it came out in 1990 and the kid dynamic is more like a more standby me-ish kid dynamic than Stranger well, Things kid dynamic. And then like, I take standby me over Stranger Things any day. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, same. I mean, same. And like one dynamic they changed to making more Stranger Things is in the book and in the miniseries, the kids grew up in the 1950s. While in the remake, it was, it was the 1980s, which obviously yeah. Stranger Things. And personally, that's one thing that I got tired of pretty fast was all the 80s nostalgia. 
Yeah. You know, I got tired of that pretty fast because I like Pac-Man. I like movies from the 80s. Don't get me wrong. But I, like I did not Pac-Man. grow up. What? I like Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not grow up in the 80s. So I don't appreciate that material on the same level as someone who did grow up in the 80s would. And personally, the one movie that kind of like turned me off for like 80s nostalgia was Ready Player One. I have not mm. read the book. But the movie, what the only reason why the movie was made was just so your friends could go to the movie theater and like check stuff off a checklist. And I the completely funny, agree. The <laughs> funny thing about that movie is Steven Spielberg said he would not include characters from his movies in there, but the T-Rex is in there from Jurassic Park, and there's like two other of his characters in there. So it's just like, come on, come on, Steven, come on. Man, that that's wild to even think about because uh if anything, the most iconic scene uh, from the miniseries of it will always be for me is uh, Billy Billy getting pulled into the sewer like that. Yes, yes. The the original scene, death scene for him, kind of like violated me for. Are you life. talking about Georgie? Yeah, Georgie. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I like I like it better, done better in the miniseries, and because the remake is so because they use CGI when he's opening his mouth, and it's like all alien like. And like, yeah. so when he, but I know he, but he bites off Georgie's arm and you, you see it and it's supposed to be like, Oh, they actually did. And when I first watched the remake, I was like, I, I was like, I hope they actually show his arm getting bit off. Cause I was, I'm, I'm a sicko. And I was apparently, <laughs> I was like, I want to see Georgie's arm get bit off because in the, in, in the mini series, they just cut, they cut to black before it happens. But now that I'm older and I actually know about movies and like, I'm smart and I have a developed brain. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's way more better better when it's subtle. When it's just like when it just cuts right. to black, all you see is his mouth open, his teeth are sharp, and you just hear Georgie scream. It's cut, and then you just see the stretcher with a sheet over it. I think that's done better. And I feel like uh, Pennywise was just improving when he was talking to Georgie. Where Tim Curry, he had like a back and forth with Georgie, and mm-hmm. then took him under the. the uh, I think he was more he was more believable that a kid would interact with him. Yeah. Than Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, because Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, if you're a kid from the get go, something's off with this thing. Like something's off with him completely. Immediately. Like he even growls at him at one point. I'm like, if a clown in a sewer is growling at me, even if I'm six years old, I'm running. Gone. Tim Curry's <laughs> Pennywise was so like inviting and he was nice, and it wasn't until he grabbed his arm where he really showed that he was, you know, evil. Yeah, it was the grab that got me. I, I, now, now that I think about it, because uh, I I'd rather see him just yank the kid under the sewer instead of just coming out to bite him, takes the arm off, and then while the kid's crawling away, grabs him by the feet and brings him back. Yeah, because it even showed his arm, and his arm like stretches, and it's like a, it's like, and you can tell it's a CGI digital arm, and I'm just like, oh come on, man, they they could have saved so much money on that. Yeah, that's what I that's what I just don't get about horror movies. I feel like. It, you can do so much with so little in horror if you just, well, you know. Well, like the problem is, you know, that's true. But the thing is, a lot of these movies, especially the big studio ones, they're shooting on a limited amount of time. And yeah. in the long run, they find out it's easier to do computer effects over practical because that's one thing they did for like Cabin, uh, Cabin in the Woods, I think it was. A lot, they did like a mix of like computer effects and practical effects. It and works Rock, in Cabin in the Woods, though. Right. 
But, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, using computer effects in the it remake is okay. But the thing is, a lot of times they're shooting on a limited time schedule with really a limited budget. So they have to cut some corners. And for better or worse, computer effects have helped a lot of movies cut corners in some aspects. Honestly, I think they could just cut corners just by the way that they write the screenplay. Because if you, you, mm. you make some small changes, you could you could get away with a lot. I feel like saying. saying less is more. Yeah, in a lot of terms. I honestly feel like one way they could have cut corners for the Ed remake was firing Finn Wolfhard. You know, getting like a yeah. Better, I'm sorry. He. I'm sorry, <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. He's not a good actor. He he's decent at best. I will say this. I am excited to see him grow in the future. Mm. I'm excited to see all the kids from Stranger Things and It move past that, to move past being attached with those shows and those movies. But at the same time, I am worried that they will be typecasted a lot down the road. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like the dialogue the kids had in the re, re, the remake of otherwise the story itself was pretty smooth the, the way that the kids talk to each other was just a little bit unrealistic especially for their age and a lot of this stuff was just like jibber jabber didn't get them anywhere where if you watch the mini series the kids every time the kids had a back and forth they passed along information they pushed the plot forward and it, it, was, it was a lot more productive and more realistic conversations with kids back then and the 90s movie than it than the remake did but the kids is just a bunch of fast talking and then they just added the f word a whole bunch they were just like right. that's like I hey mean, kids talk super fast and add the f word and i mean a lot of kids do i mean yeah. kids do cuss and they do talk like that but i feel like it was too it was too much like okay you need to you need to be more hardcore here little kid like you need, they're, they're like telling finn wolfhard to just go off you know right i think they were trying to create a more hardcore alternative to Stranger Things by doing that to show that like, hey, kid, hey, these kids are from the '80s, you know, and these kids are from the '80s. They cuss, they drink, they smoke, they're rougher, they're tougher. You know, they're trying to create like a rough side of the coin, if you will, in some and in, in, to some degree, because the town they're from and it, it's more of a rundown, rougher town than the town in Stranger Things. Absolutely. So I feel like they're trying to create that element in there personally because because i'm personally a fan of the dialogue from the it remake that's just me you know but because i feel like it's realistic considering the time period and the like the social area they're from also yeah i i i, I would have let their dialogue slide a little bit oh but they they had so many opportunities though because like the, in the miniseries the what what was the name of their group? They're called the Losers or something. Yeah, the like Losers. That? Losers Club. They, they they had to they had to deal with bullies, and the bullies kind of pushed the plot forward themselves. And it took them a while before they finally died. And then one of them stayed alive, got traumatized, and went to like a insane asylum. And then when they were all adults, one of them got inside of the hotel and stabbed one of the one of the Losers Club. So it's it, they had so much going on that Pennywise. Uh, was just like, yo, I, I, I'll jump in whenever you guys are finished, and it, I, I, I love that aspect of it. it. It, it really like highlighted the fact that bully traumatized them, and now they're adults. They still have to live with that on mm. top of Pennywise, like terrorizing the city. So it's just like, I, I, I respect the writing behind that. 
Well, that's. Uh, oh, yeah. go ahead, Nick. You go ahead, Nick. Oh no, you. I want to hear Nick. I want to hear Nick. I want to okay, hear Nick's so, got to say. So I guess you know, bouncing off that, uh, one thing about the remake I thought was decent and mid at times was how they handled the bullies because yeah. in the book there were more there were I think there were like eight bullies in the book and I think in the miniseries they kind of like dumbed that down too but in the movie they, but in the remake they only had four and one of them was a Roderick ripoff I'm sorry he looked like a Roderick ripoff <laughs> but they still had the whole like you know like setting of like they were bullying them and one got sent to a middle hospital he broke out. Pennywise gave him his knife back and all that stuff, which I liked. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, again, with that, they were trying to create that Stranger Things atmosphere vibe by making them 1D 80s bully characters. Because outside of, like, you know, a few little quirks here and there, they had no real personality. They were just there to torment the losers because there was one bully in, there was one bully in the group who never said anything. He was just there. He was just there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But Jacob, go ahead with go ahead with your opinion, please. I completely zoned out. I, I completely <laughs> forgot. Man, maybe you're such a hater. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe maybe it's just because the remake is so forgettable that maybe I just forgot, you know. But like, I'm I hear I'm a, I'm I'm a diehard miniseries over remake fan. I will. Defend that 1990 miniseries until I die. I just Tim Curry, come on, man, Tim Curry, goat. That's all you gotta say is Tim Curry, Pennywise, and you win the argument right there immediately. Because <laughs> look at Bill Skarsgård, you're gonna tell me Bill Skarsgård coming out of the fridge with all his CGI body and in his little like all he's too CGI. It's like and he it, does it, the it, dance and it's... yeah, he does a little dance. It's not even scary. I'm like, bro, this is a TikTok meme. Like, what are you yeah. doing, man? <laughs> Yeah, like when they in, in the miniseries when they finally met the true form of Pennywise and he changed into that computer generated spider that that scared the shit out of me, man. I I, I, I was a grown ass man when I saw that actually, and I and I didn't sleep with the lights off for a week. See, people actually hate that ending. People yeah. hate the ending of the miniseries. They say that spider the spider does. Look terrible, but it was 1990, mind you, and it was a TV miniseries. But also, I feel like the spider was done better than the, than the big It Chapter Two with a what 100 million dollar budget in the theaters when he's got giant Pennywise head on the spider legs. Man, I mean, like, you are wrong, and it's so bad. <laughs> you're telling me that the one you're telling me that that looks better than the 1990s miniseries. Spider. Yes, ma'am. I will die on that hill too. I will die on the hill. Chapter two does not have a lot of good things. I will admit that, but that blows the night the nineteen ninety miniseries ending out of the water. I'll but, give them that. But I will say this: I will say this. Talking about both of those forms of media, the miniseries and the remake, the, the ending of it, the book, it's really hard to do, in my opinion, because again, it gets kind of weird with the whole like turtle thing and all that. And I think a lot of times when people try to adapt it, they're scared about including that in there because they're work because they're worried about like, I guess, confusing audience members or, or something like that. Because one thing I noticed about the chapter two of the remake was they were trying to rush in all that extra lore. They were trying to rush all that lore about the turtle, about the Indians, because yeah. in the first movie, they never mentioned it at all, really. Then the second movie, they're trying to play catch up. 
Right. But again, I will say though, Jacob, I will openly say this. That opinion, it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh my that opinion's wrong, huh? Yeah, uh, Billy Rhodes in the comments was saying, uh, in regards to the bullies in the remake, that's kind of just how movies work, unfortunately. There isn't enough time to get to know the tertiary characters. And it's like, they they set themselves yeah. up for that because they, their, their pacing was all over the place. Uh, you hardly got to, in the remake, you hardly got to know the Losers Club themselves. Like, you, yeah. you would see them live their lives, but you didn't hear, like, where everything came from, like in the miniseries did. And well, the miniseries, I in the miniseries, I felt like the kids, you could you see them as friends. You see them as you could say you see you could be like, oh, these these are these kids would actually be friends. But like I feel like in the remake, you're like, oh, this is just a cast of kids that they casted that they just put together. Like they don't have really good chemistry. And like at the end when they're doing the whole, like you know, holding cutting their hands and bleeding, holding hands, I'm like, y'all ain't even close. Like come on, stop that. Well, exactly. They they built a rapport with the the miniseries Losers Club, uh, and and the one of the bullies from the miniseries was actually racist. So yeah. that yes, yeah, and that, I, they they uh, admitted that like right out the gate. I think two counterpoints I have to that. Two counterpoints is one one aspect about the miniseries that works better than the movie is it had more time to deal with the material. And more time to deal with the material because let's be honest, if they actually came out with a five-hour-long it movie, no one would really go see it. I personally would not go see it. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, I have a point. I said you. Your 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 facts are wrong here, Nick. My facts are wrong. The miniseries is the miniseries is three hours and forty minutes actually. And if you, it's actually shorter. The miniseries is actually shorter than the two It movies put together. If you go, you can look at, you can Google check me. You can, I, you can fact check me right now. <laughs> you know, I, would, has I, less would, time. But I feel like you changed those numbers online. I feel like you wouldn't, you just changed those numbers. Oh yeah. I own Google and I, I change. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm still living in Missouri. Cause I own Google. Yeah. <laughs> I went but, to SEMO because I own Google. Yep. <laughs> but I guess my second counterpoint, I was going like I, I was going to mention earlier before I got interrupted. I destroyed that counterpoint. But, no, you, no, yeah. you did not. No, you did not. Anyway, I destroyed it. The second Wildly. counterpoint I want to make about the whole like knife cutting scene, they only included that scene in there, and and I've already mentioned this is in the book there was a very controversial sex scene. And whenever they have to adapt it as a miniseries or a longer movie or whatever, they have to figure out some way to take that scene out, but still include the core idea of them like connecting themselves with each other or something like that. And and so that's why they had the whole like knife cutting scene. It was a replacement for that scene because they actually included that scene from the book in the movie. That movie would like you know, have failed epically. I honestly well, think they just yeah. took too long. They they took too long to build that bond and 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 create connections with the characters. If they would have did that from the jump, like that, I, I wouldn't have any complaints. And um, I get what you're saying, Nick, about like the whole they had to do something more graphic, I guess, and to like show well, that not, bond. Well, not graphic, but like but more, more. I know what you mean, like more. You know, but like 
my problem is not with the cutting hands in the blood scene. That's not my I that's not my problem. My problem is it didn't feel earned. That's my problem. It didn't feel earned. Like if the kids did it in the miniseries, I would I would like I I could see that. I was like, okay, I could see them doing that because they're really close. But the kids in the remake, I'm telling you, they just feel like they just picked a bunch of kid actors because one of them is like plays Star Lord in the MCU in the first movie, and yeah. then and then one of them is from Stranger Things, and one of them is from something else. It's like they just took a bunch of famous little kid actors and like be Sub friends. Yeah. Well, well, again, well, again, you know that you know that's one criticism I have about the remakes is that casting is a side effect of the whole Stranger Things popularity. I will admit that. But I also do think a majority of the kid actors do an amazing job with their role. I will say Finn Wolfhard's character wasn't that great. I feel he was too obnoxious at times. Yeah. But also, I feel like the majority of kid actors in that movie did a very excellent job. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of Chapter 2, I feel like the adults they picked to, to like, the adults they picked, the Oh, I'm sorry. The adults they picked in that movie were good counterparts for the kid actors. I will say that. Yeah, I, I, get, I can give them that. Yeah. I take the adults in the miniseries. I like Bill Hader. I like Bill Hader as Finn Wolfhard growed up. He's good. And uh, yeah. Jessica Chastain was good. But, like, other than that, I would – I just – end of the day, miniseries, man. 1990 miniseries. Anybody who hasn't seen it watching this – don't even bother with the new ones. Don't even look <laughs> at them. Just go back to 1990, it, and just watch the miniseries, and you will be blown away. I mean, I watch it every night before I go to sleep because it makes me tired. But well, okay. Well, wait I a watch, minute. <laughs> I watch the remakes every night to go to sleep because there's it makes me tired. No, I also, watch, I also watch the I also watch the Candyman too. Because it just makes me so tired, you know. The oh, new Candyman man. remake. Man, you're like, you're <laughs> feeling my jokes so bad right now. <laughs> like I just watch all of them to go to bed. They're just boring. Oh, uh huh, yeah. uh huh. So Billy's got another comment. It says there were some racist tones in the remake. I kind of feel like they toned it down mostly because they didn't want to do that to a kid on set. Man, they they they, they had no restraints in the '90s though, because. Oh, the way they treated that black kid, I can't remember his name. Uh, Mike. It, it was yeah. It was was I it, it Mike? Was Mike. I, wait, was it Mike? Yo, it was Mike. It was Mike. Yeah. yeah. Was, was the fat kid. Yeah. Uh, I forgot. What, what the I know he had. Was. Yeah, the black kid had glasses as a child, and then he grew up and didn't didn't wear glasses anymore as an adult. Mike, I think it's Mike. Yeah, it is Mike. Yeah. And uh, he ended up being the one that stayed in Derry when everyone left Derry. And uh, but there was still like a lot of racism around, like the bully and his dad both didn't like uh, people of color. And it's just like that 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 made the movie feel so real because it's just like you never know, like in, in your local community, who is and who isn't. Right. And Especially to have a bully. Yeah, in the 50s, well, you know, that had to be rough. Yeah. I, you know, like, I think that's one, you know, talking about his comment, that's one key difference because the mm -hmm. miniseries was based in the 80s and in the 50s when Jim Crow was still very much a system used in America, while the remake was set in the 80s, where for the most part there was still racism, 
but was it on such a high level as it was in the 50s? And there is one scene in the remake where they grab uh, Stan's um, yarmulke and they spit in it and they throw it across like the schoolyard. And I think one thing in my, in my personal opinion, what they were trying to do with the remake when it comes to that stuff, they were trying to make it more entertaining than like, oh, you know, this black kid's getting bullied because he's black or this Jewish kid is getting bullied because he's Jewish. But at the same time, they still wanted to like make that reality clear, you know. Yeah, they they should have they should have just kept it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I it, well, it, they, it, ra- it raised the stakes for them. They kept yeah. the uh, whole Beverly though. They kept her whole storyline. I mean, if if I mean that's that's pretty rough too. Her her, her storyline with her dad. If you can keep that, why can't you keep the other? Because I feel like that's just as important to tell. It, oh, right. oh no, it is. It is. You know, and like it is. And like I, I'm not saying that's not, but I feel like from my personal opinion after watching the remake and really looking at like the social climate and the types of media that were really, that was really being consumed. And again, these actors were coming off the whole stranger things side effect, if you will, they wanted to make it more entertaining than, you know, kind of like painting this harsh reality for like every member of that makes sense. Well, you can tell that too, because even in the remake, they add like, they have like '80s music in there, and they add like they add like music to the soundtrack. And in the 1990s, it's just score. And there's like one scene. There's one scene when they're riding. The, I love the scene when they're riding the bike in the miniseries. I think it's Mike and the main Mike and Bill. It's and they're like yeah. it's when they first meet up, and they're like riding a bike, and it cuts back to them when they were younger, and then it cuts back to them when they're older, and it's got that fun like 1970s type music. And I'm like, oh, like. They that's the only uh, song they use, but like in the remake, they start they try to throw in like '80s music, and it's just I don't know. It, it, well, again, yeah. Well, you know, again, I'm just saying, you know, like that's a Stranger Things side effect. Mm-hmm. That's a Stranger Things side effect. And, and they even show the new kids on the block poster that the the chubby kid has, you know. Yeah, because he has you know, a poster on his wall or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know Jacob because you know. New Kids on the Block was a band from the 80s. You know, it was a very popular band. I wasn't born in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> got, we got yeah, hater I, media up in here. Hater true. media. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I know some parts of the book was supposed to be like very graphic as far as like the sexual stuff. Because I know Be- Bev, like she, uh, wasn't she the, the person that was involved with the sex scene? Oh, uh, she, she, it's basically, I'll just, I'll just say one thing and this will, this will give the viewers an idea. Train. That's all I'll say. Oh no. Choo, choo. Chugga, 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 choo, choo. That's all, that's all I'll say about what happens. It's oh, train. man. That movie had so much balance and attention to detail in it. I'm talking about the miniseries, of course. But man. So much balance and attention to detail. It's just like, man, the continuity too. Oh my god, it's just like the, I feel like it was written. It's written better. Like I love how they like show the adults, and they're like, the adults start like having panic attacks. Like there's one scene that cuts close on Bill, and he's like sweating, and then it cuts back to like what happened with Pennywise when he was a kid. And I love the way they told the story in that way instead of doing it straightforward, where they're just kids in one movie, adults in the next. I like it being like going back and forth non-narrative like you know kind of tarantino-esque in a way it's right you know cutting back and forth 
I like that. Yeah, I I definitely would have executed it that way myself because it's it, you 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 get so much connection between all the characters, and it's just like when Pennywise or they're finally pursuing Pennywise in the sewer together, it, it makes it makes sense. It's just like they're teaming up. Uh, they, they they split up and they partner up with who they think they should be with, and then they they try to chase down Pennywise that way. And then they, they come up with like a strategy to take him down. And it's just like it, it all makes sense because it's they, they do that uh, on a regular before Pennywise came around. Like they strategized and dealing with bullies and, and, and all and all sorts of things. So it's, I, I really respected that. Before we get off topic about it, I want to say the one thing that I really didn't appreciate about the remake and the new ones is they put if you watch the miniseries, Mike has a in, very integral role. Like if you were in, in the book too, in the book and in the miniseries, he has a very integral role to the whole story. He's the one that brings them all together. He's the one that, you know, brings them all back. He's the one that, cause like they're all kind of mean to each other at first. He's the one that like gets them back in the friend zone and like, you know, like, Hey, we're all friends here. He's the one that groups them together. He's kind of like the glue of the whole group really. And he has a really he integral is. part. And I feel like the remake, the, just kind of sideline him. I mean, he has the one scene where he shoots Pennywise with the little thing that he does to the goats or the lambs or whatever. And then in the second one, he's just doing a trippy Indian thing where he, you know, he goes off and gets some kind of weird drug to try to catch Pennywise or whatever. Well, but that's that's basically all they do with Mike's character. And I feel like the miniseries actually makes Mike's character the most interesting and almost arguably the most integral even more than billy because he's the one he's mike is the glue in the miniseries and i feel like they kind of if in a way especially if they want to be more forward with storytelling about you know like have more people in roles of color you know why why would you cut i just thought that was weird how they just like the 1990 version did mike so much better than the modern version where they just like he's he's basically a nothing character he's like the least character in both movies and i'm just like he is so interesting in the miniseries like he's the glue like yeah and he's bouncing I mean. back from things too like he stuff going on with his family and then he's got the racist bullies too on top yeah, of and that like, yeah. and like and like he's like you can see that he's like sad that he still lives in the town as he's he's the only one that was left in town you can see like he's happy that he's there but he's also kind of like sad that all of his friends went off and did big things and here he is working at the library like right. you know, he you feel his inner t- turmoil, and but he's still he's still basically like the guy. Like he gets them together, he's the glue, and you get a lot of time. And his relationship with Bill is really like really well done. Like they're the two main characters really of the story. And like the remake, they just water Mike down so much. It shocked me. Like when I went back after I watched the remake and the second one, I went back and watched the miniseries, and like. Mike's character is just completely watered down in the new ones. And I'm just like, you think, because, you know, you think we live in more progressive times. You think they'd want to do something with a person of color in a more integral role than watering down the role from 1990. You think it'd be more than less. Right. There's so many innovative ways that you can handle Mike, too. Like, you... Like, you have an alternative. Like, if you don't want him to be bullied by racists and you don't want him to reunite the losers club finds find something better like don't completely sideline them in and they even cast like the old spice guy to play him in the chapter two one i'm like 
the guy that plays him in the uh, miniseries, I believe he's the father on a, ain't he the dad on what's that show? The twins. Uh, it's a twins. It's a it's a nine. It's a nineties Disney show. You know what? I'm, I think you guys know what I'm. I talking think it's about. Danny, not Danny Glover. No, uh, so it's not Danny Glover. Or was it live action? It, it's, it was. Is live action? It's the twins. It's the twin sisters. They were in a. A Disney movie called Twitches, but before that they had a yeah, sister. I, I sister. I've seen Twitches. I know what you're si- talking about. Okay, the girls in there they had a show called yeah. Sister Sister, and he's the dad on that show. And I feel like he's a far better actor than the Old Spice guy they casted him too. And again, I just feel like if you're trying to be more progressive, because they're trying to be more progressive, I guess, with the remake. But yeah, exactly, Sister Sister. Sister but, Sister. Yeah. They're re- but they're really they're really not because they water down Mike completely. And like, he is so interesting in that miniseries because he's, he is the, like, he's basically the Iron Man. If you want to go Avengers reference, he's basically the Iron Man of the group. He brings every, you know, he's the leader of the, well, no, he, he might be more Captain America than because it depends on how you look at it. Cause he yeah. just brings the, he's the, he's like the main head of the group that glue that keeps them together basically. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to IMDb the cast or something because it, it's going to kill me because it, it it was a really big name dude that played Mike for the miniseries and it was another big name dude that played Mike for the remake too. So it's but I he, feel like, oh no, he does good. look like the Old Spice guy. It is the Old Spice guy. It oh, was it actually it was actually nice. that I remember that. And I was like, why would you cast? I mean, he's he. He could have been a good actor, but he he, he may have not. It, they just didn't give him enough stuff to work with. Yeah, the screenplay did him dirty, honestly. I feel like one thing about Chapter 2 is, like, like I personally feel like they did Mike a good job in Chapter 2 because I think it's kind of lazy just to brush, it, brush his whole role off in Chapter 2 as the crazy Indian scene. He did a lot in Chapter 2, in my opinion. Not as much as the miniseries, I will say that. Yeah. But I will say he did more than the crazy Indian scene in Chapter 2. I, I I feel that. And I personally, I feel like one thing about the It movie is a lot of people were just going to see it for Pennywise and Pennywise alone. I feel like when it comes to It as a franchise, as a whole, people care more about Pennywise than they do the Losers Club. And yeah. so I feel like the remakes are a great representation of that because we get these superficial elemental looks into their lives and all that without a lot of extra background. And a lot of people were fine with that. A lot of people were like, this is fine. I came here to see Pennywise. And I feel like they could have done more with Mike in chapter two. I honestly feel like they could have even squeezed out a chapter three and took out some elements of chapter two and put them in like a chapter three, really. But I feel like comparing his role from the first It remake, where, again, there, he had barely any screen time or, like, mm-hmm. any notable scenes. But on the same level, that was basically, like, the thing about the Losers Club and the remake, I feel like it split down the middle between they had a big role and they had a small role between the two movies themselves. Right. I like Ben Wolfhard in both movies, his character had a pretty big role, Billy had a pretty big role. Uh, Bev had a pretty big role. But Stan in the second movie, I mean, obviously his role was cut short. And Mike, (laughs) and 
I feel like Mike had a bigger role in chapter two compared to chapter one. And I feel like the fat kid had a, I would say he had a, he had the same size role in both movies. I love how we don't even know his name. We just call him the fat kid. What's the fat it, kid? I'm, yeah. pre, I'm pretty sure it was like, wasn't it like, it was Ben. It was Ben. Ben, Ben. ben yeah. Because yeah. Beverly was like, oh, you gotten handsome. And it's, yeah, it's like, like, you know what, Bev? You didn't want me then. You don't get me now. <laughs> but Back but then, she thing, didn't want me. One more thing I will say about, you know, Jacob's comment about the movie being more progressive. I'm, and I'm going to touch back on Candyman. I feel oh, like God. it. It and Candyman are two different movies when it comes to those type of social elements, in my opinion. Candyman had a message that was rooted in social issues to begin with. And I feel like it is more of your more mainstream white mom type of media where people can go watch it. They can, you know, that people can go watch in movie theaters. They can get scared. And, you know, that's basically it. And And I'm not saying that's okay. But I'm saying when you look at it and comparing it to movies like Candyman and even Hellraiser, there's a different level of social issues in there. And that, I would say that's because Stephen King, for the most part, in my opinion, does not touch on like a ton of social issues to begin with. Right. And honestly, uh, when it comes to the directors and the writers, they they could, they could just be selective which issue they want to touch on is like if, if you're going to reboot a series, but you're going to make like a major change, like one of the key uh, members of the Losers Club is no longer going to be the guy that unites the user club, Losers Club or the guy that goes through a whole lot of traumatic experiences growing up because his race is bully. And then actually like what did it for me was the fact that when he became an adult after all he's been through, like uh, the the bully got out the insane asylum with the knife that Pennywise gave him, and ended up in the hotel with him and stabbing him. So like the whole losers club is like on the floor with him in the hotel, like over his body, like hoping he doesn't die and praying for him. And I'm just on the edge of my seat, like, oh my god, the one black guy in this movie is about to it just just got murdered by like a, this racist bully that he grew up with, and it's like it's so tragic, but. To see him bounce back from that in the end and be brave enough to go in a sewer with uh, Beverly and the others to face the spider demon. Like, I really respected the miniseries so much more because how all of that led up to that. I will say this. I will say this. One thing about the miniseries is when is when you compare it to other Stephen King movies and miniseries that came out in the 80s or in the 90s. I would put it in the top three. I feel like it, The Shining, and The Dead Zone are Stephen King's best works from like that time period. Yeah, because because he came out with a lot of bad movies and TV shows and miniseries around that time period. So I feel like the It miniseries pre two thousand is one of the better Stephen King movies miniseries from like the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, and I had a strong appreciation for Pet Cemetery and Cujo, so I, <laughs> I, I guess it's just oh, yeah. a Stephen King oh, fan Pet, in me. Yeah, Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. Pet Cemetery. I feel like the remake, the remake of Pet Cemetery had potential, but I'm gonna be honest, the original was so much better in my opinion. I Absolutely. haven't even seen the remake. The Absolutely. remake, 
Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the the, re- the remake's pretty decent now that I think about it. But the original slaps. I watched the original once, and uh, I watched it once a few years ago, and that's one of the first horror movies in a long time that actually got under my skin and got to me. Like I was like, because I watched it and I was like. You know, because everybody was talking about, you know, we, you, you got to watch Pet Cemetery. It's so traumatizing or whatever. I was like, no, nah, there's no way. And I watched yeah. it. And I was like, oh, man, like this is like this is something like maybe the acting might not be. Some people complain about the dad actor in that one. And, yeah, he's not the best actor. But like really all the other stuff just trumps it because like it is it is really a disturbing movie. And like, you I, forget I, about it. Yeah. Like I don't want to I don't want to ever like really run and rewatch it because it's just like I don't want to put myself through that again. Absolutely <laughs> not. I really wish that he would have expanded more on like the Wendigo that was out in the forest. Oh yeah. That would have been really cool uh to see more more of in, in uh, a live action film. Um but I, I was satisfied with what they had to work with anyway because it's just like the the very first like 10 15 minutes of the movie you see a kid get hit by a vehicle, and it's just oh, yeah. like, it's like, holy shit, Steven, what is going on here, dude? And uh, th- that that'll that will forever stay in my mind. It, Steven has that kind of effect on people when you consume his content, and I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, like I feel like one thing about Stephen King, like recent years, like the past ten years, he's been trying to break away from horror, and he's been writing more like mystery novels and other genres but i feel like his horror his horror works especially his original stuff and his short stories will always be his like his top work his top work easily oh yeah like i th- i mean i i haven't read stephen king i'm not a reader i watch i watch i'm a movie guy that's why i'm here but like <laughs> yeah. uh his movies if it's if I see based on a Stephen King novel, I'm 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 there. I'm so you sold me. Like I will check out anything that's based off a Stephen King novel. Absolutely, and he's got more and more and more just popping on shelves and whatnot. So it's just like I got to keep like, my ears glued. Yeah, they're not good. They're at least interesting, and they at least are weird and kind of different. They're at least different. They're at least they're they're never really like vanilla they're always there's always there's always something weird or spicy to them you know there's there's not one that's just boring and you never forget them you you don't forget anything that uh stephen king is about yeah yeah um i I know nick's getting ready to bounce and uh we, we we actually did pretty well on time um uh, before before we get into like announcements, anything real quick? Uh, did you have like a score for Evil Dead Rise? Oh yeah, I did. I uh, I'm actually I want I want Nick to go first. Okay, so my score for Evil Dead Rise. So like my score for the remake is a nine out of ten. That being said, my score for Evil Dead Rise I would give it an eight point five out of ten. I know I was I sounded more harsh on it, but yeah. overall. I thought it was a good movie, but I would put it in like my bottom three of like my favorite Evil Dead movies. That's fair enough. Okay, I have a question. What is your top three then? I know you said Evil Dead, and but then my fa- so like if I had to rate the Evil Dead movies, it would be 
the remake, the 2013 remake is number one. The original is number two. And Evil Dead Rise is number three. That is a shocking list. So not part two? Part two is not in top three? Part two, I like part two, don't get me wrong. Part two is a good movie. But there's just something about the first one. Just the mm. vibe and the aesthetic of the first one. Where it's just, it feels more dangerous than the second one. The second one feels more goofy. And like, and like I know that's what he wanted. But the first one, there's just that element of danger that I don't think's in the sequels until we get to the remake. I agree with that. That's fair enough. All right. Well, if I had to rank them, I mean, one is part two, Evil Dead part two. I feel like it's everything you want in an Evil Dead movie. It's gore, and it's also got that same Raimi slapstick, and it's just it's just the most memorable for me. And then the second one, probably Evil Dead Rise. And then the third one, I'm going Army of Darkness. I kind of nice. like the more campier side of Evil Dead. I kind of like the more campier than gory side. And I'd put the remake last. The remake is my – I'd actually give the remake like a – because I, I do grades – so the remake, the remake, I would give like a C, honestly. Like I do not care for the remake that much at all. It's it's decent. That's that's about it. But for Evil Dead Rise, I'm gonna go. I'm this might be a little shocking, but I'm gonna go A. I'd give it a solid A, honestly. It's almost A minus there because yeah, the setup is kind of lazy. How it's just the earthquake and then they find the record. I mean, the setup was lazy, and the end the end is not very connected with the whole girl going on the vacation. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. But like, right. It's not, because like, you think she would have heard all that commotion. You know? Right. Like it's kind of it's, it's kind of hard to believe. I feel like they kind of shot themselves in the foot at the end there, because I feel like she would have heard all of it, because this isn't really spoilers, because it's just a girl that's leaving the hotel that stayed in the same hotel as the Evil Dead stuff that goes down. And, uh, she uh, she would have been. She would have heard some stuff, right? Oh, like, no doubt you, about it. No you doubt. would hear. You would hear the deadite saying, "Mommy's with the maggots now." You know, you would. <laughs> you would hear her saying something like that, and not just, you know. I mean, the power was out. What was she doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So it's like a, a solid A, maybe like a nine out of ten, nine point five, probably. If I out of ten, if I'm going out of ten, because my grades are a little weird, if I'm going out of ten, I'd say nine out of ten. From nice. Out of 10. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah. I will, oh, I will well, say this my last final thought on the Evil Dead franchise. I so like I feel like the first movie, in my opinion, the first movie is one of the better ones. But I feel like when comparing it to the second one, the second one is a quicker watch. Because I feel like mm. the first one, especially in the beginning, is kind of a slow burn for the most part. Well, yeah, the second one is basically remaking a lot of the first one, too, because yeah. they had more money. Right, yeah. So they're just kind of speeding through it. Yeah. Yeah, true that. B- Billy wanted to know, what were you saying about uh, Army of Darkness? Oh, I think it's the third best Evil Dead. I, I I love the campiness of it. I love it going back in time, and I love the medieval aspect with the witches, and I love the stop motion effects. Absolutely, it's, it's got the it's got the uh, what's that one? It's kind of got like the Clash of the Titans kind of stop motion effects, like the old Clash of the Titans. It's got that type yeah. of stop motion I like about it. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's all I got on Evil Dead. So, uh, yeah, Nick, we appreciate you for coming out and hanging sure. in with us. I, I know you needed to get off like ASAP, so it's, but uh, hour and forty seven minutes that was that was a good conversation. Though. Oh no, honestly, it was like I mean, thank you guys for having me. You know, you know, both you guys have very good, very incited opinions on the films we talked about. Even though I said Jacob had some wrong opinions, they were still. <laughs> Pretty solid opinions. They were still opinions that I can like respect and you know like not agree with, but I'll be like you know that's a solid opinion. I thank you guys for having me on here. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nick. And we'll see more of Nick. We'll see more of Nick. Don't worry. Oh yes, Absolutely. you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right. So I will see right. both of you later. Both of you. Both of you have a good night. You have a good night. All Nick. right, man. Have a good one. Let's see. There we go. So you you had anything uh, big that you have coming up that you needed to announce or anything big anything big uh I just want to say I love how we went from Evil Dead Rise to Candyman to Stephen King it for like a whole hour we just went on a tangent about the it miniseries but that just shows how much I love the miniseries I can talk about that miniseries any time of the day anytime absolutely anybody wants to come up any anybody sees me in person you want to come up to me and say hey let's talk about the miniseries for an hour i'll talk with you about the miniseries for an hour i will now never not sing praise for that movie because it is so so hated for no reason it's so great but and other than that uh no i will be seeing uh spider-verse next weekend and i will be seeing uh what's the other one that comes out there's another one the uh... boogeyman Boogeyman. Boogeyman. I will yeah. be. I am interested in that. I think it's the writers uh, of the, or it's the producers of something connected to Quiet Place that are writing that wrote it. So I will have that. I guess either a podcast or which we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, podcast or written review of those two movies for sure. So be on the lookout for that. But other than that, that's. I mean, be ready for June is all I'll say. Be ready for June. <sighs> Whoo. I'd, yeah, it's going down. <laughs> I love I love movies, but June is gonna might take me out. It might kill me. Yeah. I, might, I might die for the content. You yeah, because like, whew, that's a lot of movies coming out in June. Man, that's gonna be some money being spent at that theater. Yeah, so you guys should really subscribe and like like and everything on Saturday Night Nerds because we we need we we need the we need the we, money. We, yeah, need we need the money support, for the movie tickets, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're 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 you know we're we're still kind of in that college era. I mean, so I mean, I figured that was you, Chris. I figured that was you, Chris. What's up, Chris? Uh, <laughs> he's an old buddy of mine from high school. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, yeah, uh, you missed a whole talk on it, but yeah, uh, if you want to subscribe to. Saturday Night Nerds, everything, podcast, uh, subscribe, like, share all of our stuff. I mean, I'm now, I mean, Jacob's Film Perspectives is now being eaten by Saturday Night Nerds, I'm going to say. That sounds weird. (laughs) Kind of sexual, seductive, but I like it. Guilty? Yeah, Yeah. like, I I like it because, like, I mean, eat me up. I mean, I'm, (laughs) I'm, 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 I'm happy to become a part of it, and yeah. Yeah, you guys are looking at our movie boss now. I'm that, the boss of movies, y'all. He's the, he's the movie boss. And no, I have not seen Into the Spider-Verse just yet, 
You're but crazy. I am going to I'm, I'm going to watch it either Sunday or Monday as long as nothing gets in my way. As long as Charlie Cox doesn't come back to you. True. Or Kingpin sent, puts a hit on, on me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I said something he didn't like. I don't. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you for the sub, uh, Chris. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have some new episode announcements coming. Uh, if you want to keep tabs on anything, uh, we'll, do, we'll post more on YouTube. Uh, but our IG and our Facebook group is where you can catch all of our announcements. And uh, Jacob will even hit me up and I'll make the posters for like his next episode whenever he wants to go live. Yeah, I will probably. Uh, I'll probably right now, since we're transitioning, I'll probably still do the written reviews for you guys. If any of y'all are watching that, follow me just that I have joined because you follow me. Definitely subscribe to this network because this is going to be where a lot of my stuff is now. I'm, I kind of would like to just put it all with Saturday Night Nerds, but I will be because I know some uh, might not see this or whatever. So I'll, I'll be still doing posting my written reviews when I can. But I'm, I'd like to transition to just doing it with this network because I really like I, I like these guys and I want to help build the brand basically, build the content because. These are some, I mean, I've been talking with these guys for about a month and a half now. And yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful to be a part of it. We did, we're, we're glad to have you, man. We got fellow CMO alumni and nerds alike. So we got, yeah, we, we got, talk there's trash a lot of great people. There's a lot yeah. of great people on this network. You guys should really subscribe. Absolutely. Very we may even bring, bring some friends in and just talk trash with them all the on occasional yeah episodes, who knows so. that you, i may bring you, you guys i have some crazy friends I, I could bring a crazy friend on one of jacob's film perspectives and they may go off the rails but it'll be entertaining <laughs> it, it will that, that's good content yeah i mean yeah. just anything for the content maybe yeah. i'll find a homeless guy on the street you know i live in charleston <laughs> i live in charleston i could probably find somebody that's uh, i could probably find a tweaking man you know somebody's tweaking yeah, put, the, put them on here, and you know, and we, we can we can we can we can get some content building. Absolutely, yeah, that's all. Yeah, uh, Chris, appreciate you for coming out, man, and uh, supporting Jacob and in his new series. And thank everybody for coming out and supporting Jacob in his new series. So, yeah, Billy, I, greatly, I greatly appreciate it, all of yeah. y'all, and uh, stay safe out there, Chris. He's on patrol right now. Stay safe out there, man. Stay and, uh, safe, brother. Appreciate the support, man. You're my guy. Yes, sir. And then uh, my last announcement, I'll probably go into more detail about it on social media. But uh, for those that haven't been kept up to date yet, uh, Saturday Night Nerds just branched off from that filling podcast network. So we are officially independent now and we are starting the saturday night nerds network so you'll already see that on the youtube channel uh we'll move it to the twitch uh twitter and ig as well uh but yeah uh, we, we'll have a couple spinoffs uh going um J jacob's films perspective will be at the very top and uh you you'll you'll have constant uh content uh with him reviewing movies either written or live stream whichever one he prefers so so we're really looking forward to that it's going to be a really exciting future going forward and 
as soon as we go viral, at least you say you was there with us in the very beginning. So yeah, I I'm I'm here at the beginning. I, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, thank all thank all the fans for their support and being our day ones, man. It, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy because it's like I have a vision and all of us are just like getting panels at different conventions and all that, and then we'll be able to meet celebrities a lot more often and uh, get our name out because me and Jacob are both filmmakers, so that that's that's our priority number one. So yeah, this is just a hobby, honestly. Exactly. Like, I'd rather make a movie than talk about a movie, if we're being honest. But, like, I love I love talking movies. So, like like I said, I'm happy to – I've always wanted to be on a podcast. It's one of my, that was one of my goals, set up a podcast. And what better way than to join the greatest podcast there is? So, I mean, Saturday Night Nerds is the greatest. Thank I mean, you. Thank greatest you. podcast. <laughs> Hardest working people. Honest, honestly, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I'm not even just saying that because they handed me the keys to the movie kingdom, as you would like to say. Like I'm, I'm saying, like all these guys in this group, all these girls and guys, they're great people, down to earth, and they just, we all just want to grow together. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, we we're we're all just one big happy nerdy ass family, and we're looking out for each other. If one person eats, we all eat. So. Yeah. And, Speaking of eating, uh, yeah, Billy, if you you, you want to nerd out with us and talk about talk about recipes and in, in, in future streams, man, we're we're always down to talk trash and listening to listening to some uh, gems that you got to drop. I see Billy also talked about you guys should talk about Paul Verhoeven movies next week. Uh, that could be a, that Jacob's film perspectives. That could be. Uh, I'm gonna. I plan on having a segment with. Adding because Nick, who was here most of the thing, he he doesn't really watch newer movies as much as I do, but he likes he watches a lot of older movies, and I feel like me and Nick could have a little 10, 20 minute segment segment where we talk about uh Paul Verhoeven movies like Total Recall, RoboCop, stuff like that because he is an interesting director. That that could be a possibility, Billy, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's content for days, man. You can never oh, yeah. run out. I mean, I'm just taking the movie side. You guys, Deontay over here, everybody, man. he's still got the anime, video games, TV shows. Like, I I act like I have a hard job. You got <laughs> just anime, really. Oh man, and, and uh, just when you think you're caught up on something, it's like ten thousand other stuff you gotta uh, watch. So it's it's a never ending grind and. Uh, I hate I I'm not a huge fan of the demand, but I like the results that I get when I meet it. So so I, I don't have a, too much of a problem with that. Yeah, Absolutely. Chris, yeah, my buddy Chris, he is a, he's a he's a big gamer and he's into anime too as well. So maybe uh Chris, you can I can get you into touch with Deontay here and we can you you can work something out with him because uh we're always looking for people to come on, talk stuff. I mean, I'm the, I'm just the movie guy. I mean, you see the posters behind me. I mean, I'm 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 just. I wish I had better lighting, so I could show my drive poster because that's my pride and joy. That's probably my top five favorite movie. It's Ryan Gosling. It's amazing. Have you seen Drive? I have. Do you like it? It was great. Okay, 
I'm, I'm not okay. a big I, Ryan Gosling fan, but oh, that was good for him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, I, I, I if if you said you didn't like Drive, I might have to <laughs> we, leave the network and <laughs> deuces. I'm gone, but no. <laughs> but yeah, Drive is. That's that's my last. Drive is a great movie, guys. Go watch it. Ryan Gosling that has nothing to do with horror, but doesn't matter. It's a great movie. Go watch it. Absolutely. If you don't got anything to do on your weekend, you got a Saturday night and you ain't got drive. shit to watch, drive. I can't do it right. Uh, that. <laughs> that. God, I need to work this out. Okay, so that. <laughs> drive, yeah. And, and um, I got to watch Into the Spider-Verse before I, I end up getting beat up by a whole mob of comically inclined members. Or... <laughs> I'll come hit you up as well. As right. a movie guy, because Spider-Verse is a great movie. And, and I'm about to walk into the sequel not knowing anything, so I need to get on this. So. That's actually, that'll be good to actually watch it right before you watch the, because I haven't seen Spider-Verse in a few years. So I, actually, that might be more beneficial for you watching it now so you have it more fresh in your head for the new one, sequel. Yeah, and if you do go live to review the second one, I'll definitely be uh, caught up and up to date by then, so... Oh, yeah. If I do go, I do definitely on it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, that, that that's all I got. Um, so we'll we'll catch you guys at the next episode. So stay tuned and follow us on our social media. Once you follow one, you'll probably have access to the rest of them because there's a there's links everywhere. And uh, one link tree just has all of our social media in it. Our YouTube account has it so you can find it there. And if you already have us on IG, you can hop into the Facebook group and see all the trash we're talking there. And then you catch us when we go live. So we appreciate you, you guys. Me. You can find me, Jacob's Film. It's spelled wrong on the thing, but it's spelled right at the bottom. I typed it wrong on the thing. It's J Jacob's. It's too many S's. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it's he did it right on the bottom. It's actually done right on the bottom. So yeah, uh, just look up that on Instagram and Facebook and then follow me and I'll be sharing Saturday night nerd stuff. So yeah. Yeah. You'll be able to find us with no problem. So, all right, Chris, man, you have yourself a safe Saturday night. Yes, sir. And be safe, Chris. Billy and Kimpachi. Thank you guys for coming by as well. You guys enjoy your Saturday night as well. And to everybody else that's watching. Thanks again. Uh, we will see you back for the next episode of Jacob's Films Perspective at a later time. Let's see. And peace.